Welcome to the Fixtures Podcast, Episode 1. Um, so today we are going to do our Premier League pre-show. So the Fixtures Podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, release every Wednesday and after games, as long as there's Premier League games over the weekend, um, we may have some bonus episodes uh, on international break, but... Um, and we're going to be talking about the uh, the weekend's games, and we're going to have a review and anything else that's going on uh, in the world of uh, football. We're going to talk about the weekend's fixtures. Ha ha ha! Get, get it? Because our name is fixtures. Okay. <laughs> that that was so funny. Epic. Um, on the podcast today, I'm joined by Nikki Erdman. What it do? And Mark Nome. Hello. No, <laughs> did I pronounce Nail. that right? Nail. It's Nail. Sorry. Okay, let's do, let's do, let's do a new cut. Uh, and Mark Nail. 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 Hello. Let's kick things off by looking at the top six teams. In no particular order, we're going to start with Manchester City. Nikki, your thoughts? Uh, they're pretty good. I guess. Yeah, they won the league last year, so I would say they're pretty good. They got a lot of key players, you know. They got Aguero up front. It's important. They got De Bruyne coming back this year from a long injury. Might be able to show up, help the team. Uh, I don't think they made that many good signings this summer, but they don't really need to with the squad they have. Well, their biggest signing was obviously Rodri over the summer. Yeah, but, but do they really need more else in terms of bolstering their squad? I mean, their squad is obviously probably one of the deepest in all of, probably all of European football at least. I would, just, I, would put them, I would put them second to Bayern in squad def, hmm. personally. Uh, they are rumored to have a new signing of Joao Cancelo to go to swap to Juve with Danilo. Uh, that would be pretty good for them. Uh, they're also supposed to be paying a little bit of money. I think thirty million. I was gonna say, there's no way they would just trade. It's, Joao it's Cancelo not. For it's Danilo. not. <laughs> it's not a straight swap. No, but yeah. yeah. And man. Juve is making a lot of moves this summer. Everybody's coming in and out of there. Yeah, they got lots of wage bills to manage, though. Cristiano Ronaldo is the manager there, so. Um. Okay, so that's kind of how we feel about Manchester City. I mean, they're obviously probably one of the strong, one of the strongest teams in the world right now. Are they the strongest? Uh. I don't think so. I mean. I think there's definitely stronger teams out there, like super teams, like you have super teams like Bayern and like Barca and Real Madrid. Well, not really Real Madrid so much anymore, but Juve. And I mean, I don't think that I wouldn't put them at the same level as the likes of Bayern and Juve. Okay, so uh, I think that's it on Manchester City for now. Um, so moving across Manchester, uh, Manchester United. Mark, what are your thoughts? Um, I think they're going to be having a better season this year with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think. It's first full year. Um, I don't think they're going to finish too high. Not much better than they did last year, but you know they have, they've had a couple defensive reinforcements, and I think he has time to instill his plan this year, so they should be optimistic. And obviously the big talking point is Pogba not going anywhere. Um most likely because he's overpriced and nobody wants to pay his fee to get him out of there. He's also not that good. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his, obviously his fee is demanding quite a bit. 
So well, I mean, his fee's demanding, and I don't, I don't think many people, me included, think he's worth his fee. I mean, he has played like absolute garbage most games at United, besides the, the few that he had when uh, Solskjaer first first took charge when he was trying to impress him. Besides that, he hasn't really shined at all at United. Right, and obviously their big signings this season have been Juan Bissaka and right back uh, as a replacement for. Of course, Ashley Young. And uh, Harry Maguire got confirmed today. And Harry Maguire just got confirmed today. For most expensive defender in history. Yes, we're recording this on the second, so if we're missing any transfers that happened, that would be why. Um, So, yeah, so we have Harry Maguire coming in at center back, which means hopefully less Chris Smalling and less Phil Jones. There was rejoice at Old Trafford today because they don't have to deal with seeing... Smalling and Jones and center back anymore. For Phil Jones bicycle kicking his own I think, hand. I think Phil Jones somehow managed to survive 13 transfer windows at <laughs> Manchester United. I think Maguire was kind of slightly extremely overpriced though. So oh yeah, oh a hundred. Oh yeah, that was an interesting transfer fee. So I mean, he's basically the same price right now as uh, Delit, who just went to Juve. Yeah, Delight. Yeah, yeah, and. I mean, that's a hilarious transfer fee for perhaps one of the best wonder kids coming out of uh, yeah. Ajax, and then you're going to buy Harry Maguire for the same price. I mean, and for only I mean, $5 million more, supposedly they could have got Koulibaly. And that would have been a much better transfer. Although he's 28 as opposed to Harry Maguire. He's much younger. But who's more sound as a center back, I guess? It depends what you're looking for. Are you trying to develop for the future? Or are you trying to... Get good results now. I mean, talking um, about the, the transfer fees for Wonder Kids, I mean, Zhao Felix transfer fee was like 126 million, and he's literally played professional football for one year. Market's kind of expanding, I guess. Well, yeah, the market's just out of control. Yeah, of Obviously, course. there's I mean, the Neymar transfer has sent things into, but of course, there's always people who are paying more and paying less. I mean, if you look at transfer market right now, Harry Maguire before the transfer was was estimated to be, I believe, $55 million. Yeah. And now he's coming in at... $80 million. 80, I, think it was, I thought it was 85 Was it 80 I think it was 80. Something like that. We'll but, fact check it later. Um, I mean, I just think that's crazy uh, to talk about the price of Wonder Kids, but Moise Keane is supposedly going to Everton for only $30 million. Yeah, Moise Keane, obviously... I would, put Moise, I would put Moise Keane better than Joe Felix, at least, currently, as a player. Well, they're also different positions, no? No, they're both strikers. Are they? Hmm. I don't know much about Jao Felix. Pathetic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Moise Keane to Everton is obviously uh, a, a interesting transfer, to say the least. Uh, is, is Juve making a mistake letting him go? Obviously, there's rumored to be no buyback clause, but they get first dibs on any, any transfer. They're able to match any transfer that anybody wants to make for him in the future. I think that... They have so much. I think they have so much depth in striker that his talent was just going to waste there. So I'm glad he's getting out of there. I mean, because they just signed, they just got Gonzalo Higuain back, and plus they're supposedly signing Lukaku soon. And you? So, yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. he was going to Inter. Mm, no, it's supposed was... to be a swap deal for Debala. Oh right. Remember? Right, right. Yeah. And so I mean, if that happens too, there's no chance for Moise Keane. To play there. True, true. Uh, yeah, I, there's a lot of other options up top, and I, yeah, obviously his options are limited, but I, it's interesting that he didn't stay in Italy. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so that's United. And we will get to where we think they're all going to finish at the end of the podcast here. Um, so next up on our list, we have Liverpool. Liverpool obviously being right up there with Manchester City, most likely in terms of table at the end. Um, some concerning things in preseason, you know, over the past few games, we, a lot of, a lot of losses, obviously the three nil to Napoli with most of our full squad. in. did you see that goalkeeper mistake by Allison the other day? Yeah. It was pathetic. <laughs> everybody thought it was going to get better. Everybody was freaking out about Mignolet being in goal and that, oh, it'll be all be better when Allison comes back. <laughs> it was awful. It was so bad. Did you see that, Mark? I did not, actually. Oh, my. I, it was pathetic. But, obviously, they're still missing Sadio Mane. They're not firing at full cylinders yet. Will they be Will they be able to keep up with City this year? I mean, I think so. Preseason doesn't mean anything. Or, not anything, but everything. So, I think... Although they haven't made as many reinforcements as City, who really haven't been making that many anyways, I feel like they still have like the power to be able to, as well as the depth. Right, and obviously the big concern for Liverpool is, this year is going to be um, just squad depth overall. Because you're looking at... The most important piece of Liverpool is going to be their wingbacks. Obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are... The debatably the most important pieces of that Liverpool system. If one of them gets injured this season, I think it could be very bad for them. Oh, man, you got Nathaniel Klein. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, obviously, they're a very good team, very strong, and I think they can definitely give City a run for their money in the title this year. Um, I think Liverpool is going to push for the title harder this year just because they won the Champions League last year. And I think they're going to focus more on winning the Premier League this year rather than the Champions League. Klopp said it himself that he's actually trying to go harder for the uh, Premier League this year. So, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that. I mean, they're definitely very... And I, they've wanted to win. They wanted to win the Premier League last year. They Really, it was uh, unfortunate that they lost last year. Or you know, it came down to the last, to the last, uh, to the last day. The fact that they made it to the Champions League final while still making it to the last day, like almost about to win the league. I mean, that's really saying something about yeah. how well they did last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're certainly an impressive team. I think that, that you know, and I think, but even looking at the preseason games. Their depth is showing because you can see a lot of their starters in these preseason games are their academy academy kids. You got Harry Wilson out there, um, and it's because of that you can see that the depth is not very big. Obviously, Shakiri was out, and now he's back from injury, but it's not very far down the depth chart before you start getting to academy kids with no first-team experience in the Premier League at least. Um, so that's Liverpool. Uh, moving on, we have Arsenal. Now, Mark. Arsenal this year, especially up top, looks even better than they did last year. Uh, Arsenal had a pretty good goal difference last year, scored a lot of goals with Aubameyang and Lacazette. And of course, now we have Nicolas Pepe to help out. We signed Danny Ceballos and next year on loan, or we're sending him back on loan this year, but, uh, Saliba, he's going to be coming from Saint-Étienne for the 2021 20, season. 
And so hopefully that will also strengthen our defense. But right now our defense looks really suspect. And of course, you know, with uh, Holding and Bellerin out injured right now, the beginning of the year might still be rough. I think that Arsenal is not addressing the problems that they need to be addressing right now. I think their defense is in almost crisis mode, how bad it is. Because, I mean, you have Mustafi, who is just, he just can't play as good as he used to. I mean, he used to be a very good key player for Germany and everything, but now he's just too old. I don't think, I don't think he should be starting for Arsenal. And you have also have Holding and Bellerin out injured, like you said, and I think because of that, they're just completely ignoring the problems that they have and just signing big money signings that they don't really need too much. Uh, Unai Emery did state that he's going to try, or not him, but Raul Sanheli and uh, yeah, and Edu Gaspar are going to be trying to sign a new center back this window. They ha- they haven't mentioned Tierney or a left back yet, which is concerning because Tierney has been one of the biggest names we've been linked with this year. He's not and going f- anywhere. <laughs> I, I won't debate that because I, I don't really know Celtic that well. But um, it doesn't seem like Tierney is happening at the moment, or at least it's just going very slowly. And so we really need a center back reinforcement, at least for now. Because right now our starting center backs would be either Socrates and Chambers or Socrates and Mustafi. And Mustafi especially made a lot of mistakes, and Socrates seems to be a yellow, a yellow card magnet. So, Plus Socrates and Mustafi are both quite old. I mean, they're not going to be around too many seasons longer. Socrates' uh, contract does run out after the 2021 season, and Mustafi, he has been rumored to being sold, which if that happens, along with the Koscielny situation, we definitely need a new center back, because that puts us at around, I think, four center backs, as we just sold Bielik to Derby County. So that's Arsenal. Um, Moving down the line for the other big six, obviously, uh, is going to be Tottenham. Uh, We don't have our resident Tottenham expert with us here today. But uh, obviously their big silent signing is going to be Dombele. Um, Nikki, where do you see them? Where do you see them finishing? How do you how do you see them? I hate Tottenham. <laughs> so. I know I'm we're surrounded by a Chelsea fan and an Arsenal fans. So uh, unfortunately, Tottenham's not going to get much love on this podcast um, today. But I uh, I I don't like Tottenham at all. But I mean, they do have a very good squad. They have a lot of they have most of the good England players on their team, and, I mean, I see them finishing far. I mean, they obviously made it to the Champions League final last year, and I, because of that, I would see them finishing definitely, I would say third below City and Liverpool. And obviously, I think the biggest point for Tottenham right now is going to be their wingback situation as well. Um, right now, they're rumored to be in for Ryan, Ryan Sessegnon from uh, Sessegnon. Something like that. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's something like that. Yeah. Ryan Sessegnon, um from Fulham, obviously, who went down. So good reason to offload yeah. him while they can. While they can. Uh, yeah. That's a, obviously a good signing as a wing back. But his, there's obviously debate whether he can be strong defensively as well as going forward because yeah. he's, he's kind of a converted a, winger. He, he is. He, he started his career as a left wing and the Fulham pushed him back to the left back. Because they, they were playing uh, five in the back, I think, when they got him. And so he played left wing, and then he started playing with Fulham, and he was playing left wing back, and then he just eventually converted to left back. Uh, it's pretty good to note that Kieran Trippier also left to Atletico Madrid this year, furthering, further uh, hampering their fullback situation. He liked, to get for, he liked to get forward a lot, yeah. 
but wasn't great but, defensively. Uh, yeah, he wasn't great defensively, so I think they're getting a similar type player. And obviously you have Danny Rose, who's debatable how he's even really Premier League quality, really. Ah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of debate around him whether he's uh, he should be at Tottenham or not. Karen um, Trippier's awful, though. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but he had a good World Cup. So, um, so that's Tottenham. And moving to the last of the big six, we have Chelsea, who are obviously in a very, very interesting state right now uh, with the new manager, Frank Lampard, a transfer ban and losing their star man and not being able to really use those funds to replace him. Obviously, Pulisic coming in from Dortmund. But is it is he a direct replacement for Hazard? I don't think he's going to be able to put up the same number of goals. I see Nicky shaking his head already. Nikki, go ahead. Tell us about Chelsea. Pulisic, I think... I mean, Eden Hazard and Pulisic both came into Chelsea at the exact same age, actually. So, um, and Hazard immediately started making an impact at Chelsea, even at the same age that Pulisic is right now. And uh, in preseason so far, uh, Pulisic actually... He started his first game for Chelsea, uh, I think, yesterday? Yesterday or two days ago? One of those two days. Uh, they were playing RB Le- or not RB Leipzig. They were playing uh, Sal- Red Bull Salzburg, yeah, in Austria. And um, uh, Pulisic scored a brace in the first half, and he got an assist, and he got man of the match. And he just he played fantastic that whole game, and you it was like watching a young Eden Hazard again if you watched the game. And I mean, he made a few. He made an appearance versus Barcelona too, which. Uh, I think it might have been a, a little bit of... He didn't only play a few minutes. He only played like 20 minutes. I think he came on as a sub. And he didn't play that well versus Barca, but that's about it. But And obviously there's, as what is usually the case, there's a bit of an issue up top for Chelsea. Obviously your three strikers to choose from are Tammy Abraham, inexperienced but putting up a very good numbers uh, for Villa last season in the championship. You have Bacuai, who has been really cast to the wayside by the last two managers, being on kind of shifting around on loan, ending last season in Crystal Palace. Every loan spell has been successful for him, though, except for Valencia. And then uh, you also have tried and true Giroud. Uh, Who's starting up top? Well, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Abraham is definitely going to be starting striker up top. And I say that because if you look at Chelsea's squads for preseason, Abraham was started striker for every single game, and he, it was usually what happens is Abraham starts in striker, and then they they would take him off around the 60th minute after he scored a goal or two. Like I think he scored one versus Barca and hit a post on the other one. I mean he's playing versus Barcelona. Barcelona weren't playing their top three of Messi, Suarez, and Coutinho that game, and we still beat them. And Abraham scored in that game. Almost scored a brace in that game. And Bachuai, he can't, he's come on multiple times during games. And he has scored in a few of those times, but I don't know if it's just because Abraham's been getting more minutes than him, but he hasn't looked as prolific as Abraham has. And because of that, I see Abraham starting just because I think uh, Frank Lampard really likes him. And I think he puts a lot of trust in him. Plus, Chelsea gave him the number nine shirt this year. So I think that kind of seals the deal that Abraham's going to be starting up top. 
I don't think it's a big argument for Giroud. I don't think there is a big argument for Giroud. Um, he's been really – he he's had his moments of brilliance, but, of course, you know, he had his goal drought 14-15, which basically sealed Arsenal to second. You know, he he kind of scored against Arsenal in the champ- uh, Europa League final. I'm sorry. But, you know, I he's not consistent enough. I don't really trust him to be able to, you know, have form all the whole season. So I think either Batshuayi or Abraham will definitely get the nod. But I think one thing to point out, too, is that out of the three, Giroud is the most experienced. And if you're, if depending on how Frank Lampard is to play, I think if things go start going south quickly, I think we start to see Giroud up top for sure. I think he's going to give these young kids a chance. But if we, the, the question is, are they going to be able to do it week in, week out, and put up the points and keep their heads up you know, when things go wrong? Because that's, that's obviously what he's going to be looking out for. And if that starts to happen, I think we're going to start to see Giroud, William, Pedro, and the, kind of this old, old guard Chelsea coming back out. And, and uh, we're gonna see, I think we're going to see a very similar lineup to last season. Obviously not the same formation. But uh, lineup-wise. And obviously there's another question mark around the two injured Chelsea players, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi. And Reese James. And Reese James. So, I mean, do you see them sliding into the team once they're back fit? Um, I think Callum Hudson-Odoi definitely. Not just because... I think because he is a favorite with Chelsea fans, obviously. I mean, to Chelsea fans, he's like... A saint to them. Jeez. Everybody loves Callum Hudson Odoi. But I think when he comes back, he'll definitely give it a shot. Um, he is trying to get fit very quickly. He definitely wants to get fit as fast as possible. And I also see Ruben Loftus Cheek getting a shot as well because uh, Chelsea do have a few weaker center mids, like uh, at least last season, like uh, Kovacic and Jorginho. At least they didn't put up the points that they really should have last year or put up the performances they should have. But I do see Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming in next year and making an appearance, or not next year, uh, later in the season, and making an appearance because uh, he was starting to make start regularly for Chelsea towards the end of the season before he got injured versus uh, New England Revolution in one of those friendlies. And he played in the Europa League final. He was being fantastic. I mean, he's a blue through and through. (laughs) All right, so that's our big six. So, and I think we we gave a little bit more time to some of those other some teams versus others, but I think there are some te- teams that have made a lot of movement over this uh, over this window, and or can't make a lot of movement. or can't make a lot of well a lot of movement in uh, a managerial sense at least, and a lot of that's every season. <laughs> but uh, and then there's you have your teams like Manchester City where we're not you're not going to see that much movement from them. They're, the Manchester City machine is going to keep taking along. Um, so real quick, let's just kind of jump into some of the other teams, some of the other notable transfers around the Premier League. Um, obviously, we have Holler to West West Ham. I don't understand how West Ham can sign such great pe- players consistently and still not finish higher up in the table. I mean, <laughs> I rate their squad really, really well. I don't know what's I don't know what's up with that. I think this I say this every year, but I think this year is their year. Possibly, I mean, I think they're going to get top ten for sure. But like you know, with Felipe Anderson's second year, I think it was Yarmolenko. Yeah. Yeah. Yarmolenko. And then um, we've I mean they've just brought in Fornells and Holler. 
And, of course, Holler was instrumental to that Frankfurt team that, that did really well last season. I think they're going to have a good year this year. Yeah, I definitely see Holler making a big impact. He was kind of in the shadow of Luka Jovic a bit. Just because Luka Jovic is younger than Holler, and also he wasn't... Luka Jovic just went absolutely insane last season. But Holler was also playing very well last season. He had numbers very close to those of Luka Jovic, only a few goals, few assists off. And I think that's a very solid transfer for West Ham. Okay, uh, moving down, I think we already kind of touched on Moise Keane, the Everton. Um, it, it Kind of an interesting deal. So we'll see how that plays out. A lot of good strikers coming into the Premier League this year. And, I mean, no, notably, over the past few years, there hasn't been that... There hasn't been a, a, a variety of high-class strikers in the Premier League. Obviously, you have your Agueros, you have Aubameyang. Well, there were you, high-class strikers until they went to Chelsea. <laughs> like Murata and Higuain. Those are both two world-class strikers that came in, and then they turned to garbage. But I, th- I think we're seeing a lot more interesting strikers, uh, hopefully, coming into the Premier League yeah. this year. A lot of prolific strikers, young boys. Um, next up, we have Wolves, Vallejo and Catrone. Uh, yeah, Wolves has a very strong side this year. Honestly, they're kind of scary. Uh, but Patrick Catrone is a fantastic player, great striker. I know he didn't want to leave Milan, but I think... Milan had to sell him for like wage issues and stuff. He looked like he was about to cry in the video in the airport. Yeah, I think there are that Milan is actually, and I, I I wish we had Hans on to talk about this because I'm sure he knows a lot more than we do about the Milan situation. But um, I I believe that they were actually under scrutiny for financial fair play. Yeah, Yeah. they've got kicked out of Europa League this year because of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I, I I wonder if I think I think that has part at least part to do with it. Probably a little bit. But I think that's a great signing for Wolves. I think he'll play very well. Uh, but I do see a, a little bit of conflict because, I mean, who do you play up top? You have three very good, prolific strikers. You have Diego Jota, you have um, you have Jimenez, Raul Jimenez, and you have Patrick Catrone. So who do you pick yeah, up top? Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting situation because you have three strikers. And, I mean, obviously Jimenez and Jota have been, were a really good partnership yeah. towards the end of last season. You could, I think, dropping Raul Jimenez for Catrone would be uh, just a travesty and would be just dumb. Especially um, a travesty to my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously then the place that he spots into, if he even slots into the starting 11 at all, is going to be in place of Diego Jota. And I would imagine we're going to see those two being rotated quite a bit. Um, and I would imagine we're going to see him rotated in with Raul Jimenez on probably some of the smaller fixtures. And I think the big debate with Wolves this season is going to be, can they keep afloat in the Premier League while also battling in the Europa League? And I mean, and that's another point. I mean, obviously we haven't seen the groups or anything yet, but how do you see Wolves going far in the Premier or in the champion (laughs) in the Europa League? Yes, I definitely see Wolves going far, just because there's a lot of very random teams in the Europa League, and I feel like if they get if they get a good group, even if they don't get a good group, I feel like they're one of the better teams in the Europa League. Like I could easily see Wolves beating like Milan, AC Milan, or like maybe even Lazio. 
I oh, mean, yeah. Wolves has a very solid side, especially with those two new additions of Catrone and Vallejo. And if they get a good draw and they get lucky, they could easily go far. I think the thing is, a lot of times, especially into the quarterfinals, the draws get a little bit less nice. So, for example, I mean, Arsenal had Ren, Napoli, and Valencia in the uh, knockouts. That's not... They never get hard for Chelsea. <laughs> you had partisan Belgrade, I think it was, and but Pauka. yeah, and so, um, but I think I think Wolves is one of the, I mean, best teams in the Europa League currently. I I can see them getting to at least the quarters, if not the semifinals. But yeah. Um. Up next, we have Leicester City, who have made some pretty shrewd moves this uh, this window. Bringing in, obviously, Aosie Perez from Newcastle and uh, Thielmans. I have my full faith in Leicester this year. I mean, they've, they're they only looking better. Brendan Rodgers' second full, or first full year. Thielmans uh, on a permanent uh, in Perez. I mean, they just look really good. They played together well last year. I mean, Vardy is going to be good again. He's good every year. And then, of course, James Madison with his second year. James Madison was really good with the team last year from what I saw. And so... Yeah, I, I I think yeah, obviously I, I don't know if you, you were probably just about to say this. I think one thing that obviously just got ripped out of their team is Harry Maguire. Their their defense has now just has a uh, pretty uh, sizable forehead sized hole. Yeah, um, <laughs> slab head. <laughs> yeah, uh, I see. I saw Lester finishing pretty high up uh, before the transfer of Harry Maguire because I honestly did not think it was going to go through, but. Um, now I would have to put Leicester a lot further down. I think that's going to be a big hole that, to fill in their squad. I mean, Harry Maguire was a very solid center back. And I think the two new signings are very good of Thielmans and Perez, but I don't think either of them, I mean, neither of them help defensively at all. And so, and their defense is notoriously not that strong. They're supposedly in for Lewis Dunk from Brighton for $45 million. That, again, really overpriced, but <laughs> great signing, though. Great signing. If they yeah, for yeah. Uh, but I feel like Lewis Dunk is definitely... I don't know how well he would do at Leicester because I feel that he's very much... Uh, he thrives in an environment when he's going to be having balls kicked at his head for 90 minutes and he's going to be strong in that situation. I mean, this this uh, this Leicester side is looking a little bit more dynamic, obviously. Um, and I don't, I don't know how well uh, some uh, kind of an old guard center defender like Dunk would fit into that squad. Um, but... Uh, Moving down the line, um, the last thing we want to touch on is obviously Newcastle, kind of in turmoil right now. Uh, Mike Ashley, still owner. Did anyone uh, ever have faith in him? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I think the faith was less in him and more in literally anyone else buying Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle's been for sale for a while now, and there there aren't any buyers. And Rafa Benitez uh, just walking away from Newcastle. Uh, not being back on the transfer window is it, it's a bad situation for uh, for Newcastle up there. It's not looking good. Um, so we'll see what becomes of that. But there's definitely 
some uh, some shaky things going on there. I do have a couple points for them later on as well with a bunch of losses that they made this summer too. Um. Okay, so that's kind of uh, some notable movement with the middle teams of the uh, Premier League here. And obviously, we have three new additions to the Premier League this year. Um, Sheffield United, Norwich, and Aston Villa. Um, Nikki, you want to tell us a little bit about Sheffield United? I don't know anything about Sheffield United. Yeah, I think they're kind <laughs> of the wild card of the, of the three. I think they... They... Uh, they're interesting, because you didn't... I don't think anybody pinned them to go up really last uh, last year from the I championship. Would have, I would not have. And they kind of made a, an impressive run to get to get to where they are, uh, alongside Norwich. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be the wild card. I think if, if people underestimate Sheffield United, I think they can pick up some points against any of the teams, really, if they're not paid the proper respect. Um, moving on to Norwich... Mark, you got anything about Norwich? Uh, I do. So they have signed Ralph Farman from Schalke. Schalke last... Oh, on loan. Okay. So Schalke last year especially had an awful season. I mean, they finished, I think, 14th or 15th (laughs) in the Bundesliga. It's conceded a bunch of goals. So I'm not sure how great Farman will be for them, but of course, we can't can't tell until he's in the Premier League. So I'm not going to judge too hard yet. Yeah, and I think Schalke had a lot of issues, obviously, just besides leaking goals. I mean, they were just in shambles last year. Um, Nikki, anything to add on Norwich? Um, They still got Gary Hooper, right? Or no? No, no, no. Has <laughs> no. he retired from, like, two years now? <laughs> no, obviously, their big striker last season was Timu Puki. Oh, yeah, yep. the other Celtic guy. I knew there was one Celtic guy. He's finished. Uh, yeah, Timu Puki, I think he... I'd, I'm interested to see if he can do those same things that he was doing in the Premier League versus harder opposition. Because if he can do that, Norwich is going to be higher up than I would have thought they were. No, I don't see him being able to come anywhere near the amount of goals he scored. Oh, no, I don't think he's going to come anywhere near the number of goals that he scored last season. That would be That would be crazy, but... I think he's definitely going to put up some good numbers. I think he's a quality striker. I think it's a shame he left Celtic. Um, and, yeah, he's he's very good. I, I think he's going to struggle a bit against Premier League opposition, though, for sure. Um, obviously, another big signing uh, coming in on, uh, on loan for Norwich is going to be Patrick Roberts on the wing, who is going to be able to provide, hopefully, some better, you know, some better balls for Timu Puki and that, uh, that front line. Um, so last of the new teams is going to be Aston Villa. So they made some interesting signings um, this summer. Obviously, they brought in um, Mings and Target for kind of reinforcing their back line. Um, and they obviously have good good forwards um, with uh, John McGinn and Jack Grealish. Uh, Nikki, your thoughts on Aston Villa? They have a fantastic assistant manager. Being John Terry. <laughs> Thanks for the input. Um, I would definitely say Astonville is more of a wild card team this year. I do think they're going to finish pretty well. I mean, just they've got a, a few Premier League proven players, and then of course some Championship players. But all those Championship players did look like they were, you know, playing a little bit out of the Championship. They were doing a little bit better. I, I do have a lot of faith in them. And obviously, Aston Villa being the team coming up from the playoffs, and statistically, 
the team coming up from the playoffs, as you would probably imagine, is going is most likely to go straight back down. Um, so I think with that in mind, let's move on and let's talk about who we think is going to win the Premier League this year. Um, will it be Liverpool? Will it be City? Will it be somebody else? Nikki, who do you have winning the Premier League this year? I have Liverpool winning the Premier League simply because I think they're going to be more focused on that than the Champions League this year, and I think last year they were definitely more focused on the Champions League than the Premier League. Really, it's interesting to say that because I don't. I think the Champions League really was an afterthought for Liverpool until they got pretty deep into it. I think they really wanted to win the Premier League far more than they wanted to win the Champions League until they got to a point where the Champions League became more obtainable. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think when they got to that point, when they were like, oh shoot, we can actually win the Champions League, they went, alright, let's just focus completely on the Champions League, almost. Like, they, mm-hmm. they were still focusing on the Premier League and trying to win, but I think their focus definitely shifted a little to the Champions League. Right. Um, I have Liverpool winning as well. Um, I don't think that's any surprise. Uh, I think that they're going to be hungrier this year than, they, than they've ever been, and they want that Premier League trophy more than anything. Um, and I think they're going to really fight to get it. Um, and I think we have a lot of good academy kids that are willing to make the step up. Obviously, Rian Brewster being a, a goal-scoring machine for the, uh, for the academy side. Harry Wilson playing very well for Derby uh, last season. You really think English people are not going like, to like how you pronounce any, that? You think any of them are going to have like any contribution to Liverpool's side? I do. I think Harry Wilson is going to be third string winger behind Shakiri. If Shakiri's fit, I think Shakiri's back up. But I could see Harry Wilson getting some game time. Um, I definitely could see Ryan Brewster getting some game time. I, I mean, he's really our, he's the Daniel, he's replaced Daniel Sturridge, really. Um, because you obviously have Bobby Firmino, then you have Origi, and then who else do you have on the strikers? You have Rian Brewster. Origi again. <laughs> A second Origi. James Milner. James Milner. <laughs> no, I think Liverpool's really interesting this year. Again, I think I'm going to, I think they're going to win it. Um, they're, I know. At the beginning of the year, the fixtures are really kind, but they're, I think they're going to be missing Mane for at least the first game. Yeah, but, first game, p- potentially, depending on how long it takes for him to come back. Obviously, Mane being at the African Cup of Nations um, and in the final. Yep, so I, I think Liverpool is going to stumble for their first, I wouldn't say against Norwich, but maybe a couple of games after that. But I think they're going to pick it up. They're going to have a really good Christmas slash winter. They're going to finish the end of the season strong. They're going to finish first. And obviously the big absence from any of our uh, first place is going to be Manchester City. Uh, And Nicky already alluded that Manchester City obviously really wanting to win the Champions League. And I think it's interesting. I think if you were to, last year, if you were to offer City Liverpool's Champions League trophy and Liverpool City's Premier League trophy, I think they happily would have swapped trophies oh, yeah, definitely. in an instant. Um, so, I think Manchester City does have a very scary depth, and I think they could play really across three competitions, obviously not including cups, but uh, I think they could easily play across... They could probably play two teams and be just fine. Um, 
I, they're they're very scary, and I think they could very if Liverpool is not careful, they can easily run away with the league if Liverpool loses sight of uh, what needs to be done to win the league there. Um, so before we get to the rest of the table, let's talk about who we all have going down. Um, so in last place, Nikki, who do you have? Newcastle. <laughs> I, also, <laughs> I also have Newcastle, and I think the reason I think we can both uh, agree with uh, that is because of obvious. their... their they're in trouble, and unless uh, yeah. unless they can pull off a miracle, I think they're really going to struggle this year. Um, they're going to be fighting I, for their life the whole season. Yes, they I'm absolutely are. I'm starting to see are. a pattern here, and I don't think Newcastle fans are going to like it because I also have Newcastle in last. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it seems inevitable, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, it's a shame because I really do enjoy watching Newcastle. Newcastle, uh, from, from a few seasons ago, and obviously under Rafa Benitez, they could easily hold their own and they were a mid-table side without Rafa Benitez I think they're going to be in trouble um so in 19th place Nikki who do you have I have Sheffield United Sheffield United I also have Sheffield United I swear we didn't do all these together (laughs) but yeah I also have Sheffield down there yeah honestly they just don't seem like a Premier League proven team to me I don't don't see it 100% agree with that I I feel like I personally don't know that much about Sheffield, but I think that is part of the problem why I put them down there is that I haven't heard that much about them, and so I don't think they've stood they even stood out that much in the championship. Yeah, I, I obviously the big signing for them has been which which just confirmed today was Oliver McBurney, um, who's a good striker, but I think they they lack the personnel to really be able to. To fight, but like I said, I think if they can get some favorable results, I can see them avoiding pulling a Huddersfield and avoiding uh, relegation by the skin of their teeth. But I think it's gonna be, it's gonna not gonna be an easy road for them. Um, Keep in mind, uh, their main scorer William Sharp, twenty three goals last season in the championship. I think he's still gonna be really good this year. I mean, I don't see, for him in particular, I don't really see the Premier League changing much, but yeah. Okay. Um, So, Nikki, in 18th, who do you have? I have Aston Villa. Aston Villa, interesting. Because (coughs) now you have all three, or no, you you have Norwich staying up, but you have both Sheffield and Aston Villa going down. Um, Yes. You don't think Aston Villa can pull it off? Uh, no, because I don't think they they made a few additions to their side this window, but I don't think they ma- made necessarily the additions in the right spots or the additions that they needed to make. And I think that I would not be surprised at all if Jack Relish got sold either this window or in January window, which really? would be absolutely crippling to Aston Villa. You think he's going to go somewhere? I mean, obviously Aston Villa is his boyhood club, and he, being able to captain his his team in the Premier League is going to be yeah, but it's Aston a Villa. dream come true. <laughs> uh, yes, and I think if we if they I don't see him going before the before the start of the Premier League. I don't see him going before the start, but I see him possibly leaving in January. Potentially, if Aston Villa is just if, on if fire. Um, no, but I'm, I, I think if Aston Villa is 
performing very poorly in the yes. first half, he would want to get out of there as soon as possible. I think, I mean, yeah, it's potential. I, but I think he's definitely going to want to give it a shot. I think Grealish will stay at least this season. I mean, th- there's no reason for him to leave. And, I mean, of course, they've also spent $100 million on players this summer with uh, Marvelous Nakamba just coming in. So I that's a hot take to me, but uh, to see them finishing, you know, in the relegation spots, but I don't know. So uh, for me in 18th, um, I actually have Burnley. Um, I think they are a stale side that is getting staler and staler every season. Um, like a bag of crisps let out overnight. Yeah, I think they're really going to... I think the season where they went into Europe kind of devastated them. I think they kind of flew too close to the sun, and I've seen them slipping and slipping everything every they're, single season. I would say they're a very bland side. Yeah, I think that's without a doubt. That's kind of their... Most uh, their jerseys are kind of trash, like, every year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I... I I see this, but I will say I don't see I don't see even probably 14th through 18th. I see that being a very closely contested yeah, I battle. Would, uh, I think the relegation battle is going to be probably more interesting than the battle for first or second oh, yeah, def- this year. I would say definitely. I think there's a lot of teams that are very, very close in terms of uh, mm-hmm. their level. and um, I would agree 100%. And yeah, so I mean, it was really a toss-up I between these teams, but I th- I think I see Burnley going down just because I I think they uh, they have not done enough to spruce up a kind of bland Burnley side. Mark, who did you have in 18th? Uh, I have Burnley also. So I don't think it's really a matter of them being worse than last year. I think the level of the teams in the Premier League is getting higher and higher every year. I mean, each team that comes up seems to be a little bit better each year. And, of course, the mid-table teams seem to be getting better and closer to the top six every year. So I think it's more them not really willing to be able to adapt. I think they're going to keep Sean Dyche even if, even if they go down. But, I mean, I don't see I don't see much changing over there other than relegation. Okay, so I think at this point, um, let's do a full preview of each of our... We've done... The full table, first through twentieth. Um, Nikki, Nikki, you want to give us your table and uh, any notes you have? All right, my first place was Liverpool, and I'm gonna obviously stick with that. But second place, I have Manchester City because I think they're still gonna push Liverpool to their limits and kind of really try to challenge for the title, even if they're not gonna necessarily win it. Uh, third, I have Tottenham just because their side has been. I mean, I hate to say it, but the side has been looking better and better every season, and they're performing better and better, and it would be an absolute travesty if they won a title ever. <laughs> but um, in fourth, I have uh, fourth Snow. Um, I hope. Back again in fourth. <laughs> and I say that just because they've made a bunch of very good signings this year. I They're looking like a very promising team, even if their defense is absolute garbage. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's interesting between Arsenal, United, and Chelsea because all of those teams, I think, are not where they should be. No, they're um, all in like a little bit of a mini crisis. And I would even kind of loop Tottenham, and I don't think Tottenham's in any sort of crisis, but I think they are obviously under uh, a strict transfer budget with Daniel Levy kind of 
pushing down on them. Yeah. Um, I think they could definitely do more to strengthen that side and be and be up there with City and Liverpool and uh with a little bit more financial backing. Um so in, sorry, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. It's all good. So in, you have Arsenal in fourth. In fifth, I have my boys in blue, Chelsea, coming in, and I am putting them there because I don't. I think they're gonna have a very rocky season. I think there's gonna be a lot of highs and a lot of lows of this season, and I would say that simply because of I think the starting eleven for Chelsea is gonna change vastly from the start of the season to the end of the season. I don't see it sticking around whatever we play the first thing, and I think it's going to be experimented with a lot, and I think because of that, they're going to finish uh, lower than they did last year. Um, so if Chelsea finishes if, if Chelsea finishes in fifth, do you keep Lampard? Oh, 100%. You think? Yeah. I mean, do, we Do have... you think... Because, I mean, obviously, Sari finished third. third and... Won the Europa League. <laughs> won the Europa League and was not good enough. I and mean, how I, much of that, I guess, was attributed to him, obviously, not wanting to play the younger kids and his his style of football not really fitting Chelsea all that well. How much of that do you think is attributed to that versus other things? Well, I think... That was 100% the reason that Sorry got fired. I think he was a fantastic manager, and I think he is a fantastic manager, but he's kind of had the same problem Jose Mourinho had, which was that he does not care about youth pretty much at all. And I think because of that, uh, Chelsea approached Lampard, because Lampard likes to put a lot of hope in the youth. I mean, he had Mason Mount on loan at, at Derby last season, and I could easily see Mason Mount making a lot of appearances this year in Chelsea starting eleven, And so I think they wanted to... Um, and Chelsea has a lot of really high-class youth players. I mean, we have the loan army. We have <laughs> more than half of our squad out on loan right now. We have, like, a ridiculous amount of players out on loan every season. And I think there's a lot of high quality, and I think the board definitely wanted to do something with the quality in that loan army and have a manager that would actually give chances to those people in the loan army rather than just loaning them out every single season, season after season, until they're 26 and they get sold off. So Thomas Carlos. what what potentially happens if we find out that Chelsea's youth kids are not as good as we think they are? Oh, then Chelsea goes into a bit of a crisis, I would say. And I would say they go back to the route one where they would try to play. They would play, you know, their Pedro, their Willian, their, their I, I do not see them starting Giroud at all this season. But I would see them playing Bakshuai if Tammy Abraham doesn't work out. But I don't see him not working out. So but, how long into the season before Jose Mourinho comes back? Never. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jose Mourinho, he left on bad terms. I mean, I love the man. He was the special one. But I don't... I don't see him coming. I don't see for him those listening back. and obviously not watching because we're not recording video. I'm uh, waving three fingers in Nikki's face. Um... Yeah, I, I miss having Jose Mourinho around, though. Um, he's kind of a piece of garbage, though. But he's kind of hilarious. He's got some good uh, commentary he's with a, Arsene Wenger on being sport. Yeah, he's very—he's a very intelligent coach, but I—he's—he's I, he's a serial winner, and he's not going to put up with your develop academy kids. He's going to play the team that's going to win. Yeah. 
And that doesn't always make everybody happy. And I don't think and I don't I don't think Chelsea has a team that could win. Like, I don't think we could field a starting eleven that doesn't include at least one youth player in our that like or that would, a person that would be qualified as a Chelsea youth player. Right. Okay. So moving moving down the line, uh, I have United in sixth, and I think that's because United has not made any of the moves as of right as of this recording. They have not made any of the moves that they said they were going to make. They said they were going to sell Romelu Lukaku. Romelu Lukaku's still there. They said they were going to sell Pogba. Pogba is still there. Uh, they still have... They have half of a good center-back pairing, being Harry Maguire. I mean, you still got to either play Chris Smalling or, or Phil Jones. And Don't forget Lindelof. And Lindelof. Yeah. And, 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 and Bailly. And Bailly. But, I mean... I, th- I don't think Harry Maguire and Lindelof is a bad pairing. No, me neither. I don't, I don't see Man United doing that good, just simply because I think... Towards the end of the season, it kind of showed that Solskjaer kind of had a good first couple games, but then it, his real colors started to show, and he was like, oh, shoot, he's not as good as he might actually be. Yes, and I, I think, obviously, he wanted a lot of players gone, um, being Pogba and Alexis Sanchez, and maybe even Lukaku. And obviously, all of those players are still there, and that... I mean, Paul Pogba has been known to create a toxic locker room atmosphere. And I think he's going to, it, he's, it's kind of the, 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 you know, the question of our age is the player bigger than the club. And I think Paul Pogba wants to be. And because of that, it rubs managers the wrong way for sure. Yeah. And I'll tell you who it rubs the wrong way. Roy Keane. <laughs> uh, in seventh, I have Wolves finishing in seventh simply because I think they've made nothing but good additions this year. They haven't really lost much. And I think they had a really strong side last year, and I think they're going to have a really strong side this year, even stronger than last year. Because of that, I put them finishing seventh, pushing United in sixth. Um, Behind them, I have Everton in eighth. I think... The only reason I put Everton in eighth was because uh, Moise Keane. Moise Keane is going to be a fantastic uh, addition to them. Richarlison, I think a Richarlison-Keane uh, link-up play is going to be beautiful. And Sigurdsson as well. And Sigurdsson uh, as well. They're, I mean, it's going to be beautiful. And Morgan Schneiderlin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that's why I have them finishing in eighth. In ninth, I have West Ham finishing because of Nicholas Holler and Felipe Anderson. Sebastian. Yarmolenko. A good team. <laughs> uh, and that's why I had them finishing below Everton Wolves, though, just because I think they made a little bit better signings and have a bit of a better squad. But I do have them finishing above Leicester. Originally, Leicester was going to be an ace for me, where Everton is. But instead, I put them in 10th because Leicester has lost one of their most key players, if not their most key player, being Harry Maguire. They've made a lot of good signings with Perez and uh, and um, Thielman's coming in, but I don't think that can make up for Maguire leaving, and I think that is really, really going to hit them hard. And so I, I put them finishing 10th. That's like the highest I would put them, because I like Leicester as a team. Uh, in 11th, I have Crystal Palace. I like Crystal Palace. They got cool jerseys. But um, obviously Palace now missing Aaron Wambasaka. 
Yeah, who but... Was one of their... Debatably their best player last season. I don't even think that's really much of a, de- a debate. I think everyone kind of knows that he was their best player last season. Zaha didn't like that. <laughs> I Zaha has been... Hit or miss. Hit or miss, for sure. I think he's definitely a good player. I don't think he's anywhere as good as his uh, kind of valuation from Roy Hodgson, but... Uh, yeah. Um, but... I think Zaha is going to be very good this year, and they signed Jordan Ayew. They did, and he's From a, he's been a, he was a good player. He was a good player, and I think they might get a little lucky. I I feel like Crystal Palace always gets a little lucky. They I do. I mean, they're a, they're a decent squad all around, but I think they're definitely uh, decent at best. Uh, in twelfth, I have Watford finishing. Um, Watford is a good side. They're an interesting side, I feel like. I feel like they play a very... They're kind of like an older style of football. Watford, I think they play. Because I feel like they have a lot of traditional players. They have a lot of traditional players, like, um, like Tredini. is a very traditional up-top striker. He doesn't play like most of the young younger new strikers do, being fast and quick and small he's more of a bigger stocky type of dude that still bangs him in at the age that he is so i see them finishing 12th uh 13th i have bournemouth Uh, i feel like bournemouth's been sticking around a little long and i think they might be on their way out in the coming seasons but bournemouth looks really good they have ryan fraser who i would not be surprised at all if he left either before the season started or in january because he is a very talented player, and I don't think his future is at Burnley. But, uh, not Burnley, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. <laughs> but I, I do think that uh, Eddie Howe is a good manager. I think he's going to keep them, as long as he stays as manager, he's going to keep them playing a very exciting style of football. And I think they're, they have a lot of good younger uh, people in their squad, and I, I don't see them starting to struggle anytime soon. I see them getting better and better if they can keep playing the way they're playing. Yeah. I could see that, too. I mean, they do have Nathan Ake, another former Chelsea man. A very good player. A very solid center back. Uh, after Bournemouth and 14th, I have Burnley. I don't think Burnley's going to do very well this season. I think they've been declining downhill. But you lot. think they're going to be the best of the rest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would put them in... I would put them down there in 14th. Because I don't, I don't see them doing that well. But in fifteenth, I have Brighton. Brighton has a very good squad, in my opinion. They have Glenn Murray, who is like ages like a fine wine. He's a fantastic <laughs> player. Um, he still bangs him in at the in the in the later ages of his life. And <laughs> I think they also have good players in Sully March. Sully March is a fantastic player. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I see him being important, and they have a very solid defense. Um, in sixteenth, I have Norwich. I'm putting Norwich down there, just because I don't see them going down. I think they have a good side. They have Timu Puki. I think they're going to be able to score a decent amount this year with him. So I see them staying up, and with Patrick Roberts coming too, I would see them staying up. Uh, Southampton, I have in seventeenth, and honestly, I could see them in eighteenth. 
I do. I think Southampton has been on a giant decline in the last few years, and I would not be surprised at all if they got relegated this season. Southampton, I think, is not the club they once were, and I think they almost been, got relegated. Yeah, they, not last year, the yeah, year before. They were they've been, very dangerous. They've, uh, they've been struggling these last couple of years, and I think this might be the year that they go down. But I'm keeping them in 17th just because I think they can do better than Newcastle, Sheffield, and Aston Villa. And I think if they can't, that's kind of pathetic for a Premier League side that's been in there for as long as they have. And then obviously, as you just read, your uh, final three are Aston Villa, Sheffield, and Newcastle. Um, yeah, I think I agree with a lot of those same points. Uh, my table is uh, Liverpool, obviously in first, City in second. Obviously, that's going to be a very close race between the two of them. Um, third, I have Tottenham as well. Very good side. Um, fourth, I have Arsenal. I think they are the the best of these kind of crisis clubs right now. That's Arsenal, United, and Chelsea that are all have their own... Uh, own issues going on and I think until we until one of those clubs solves them I see those three uh being very close and just dropping too many points to really break into that top three um so I have Arsenal in fourth uh in fifth I actually have Manchester United I think they're going to finish above Chelsea just because I think with if things go badly at Chelsea I think things will go very bad at, at Chelsea. I could see them even being below six, depending on how that first... And I, I think that's the thing about Chelsea, is we really, really don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, I don't know that it's going to be good. Um, in seventh, I have Leicester, because Leicester's a very strong side, as we already discussed. They've made a lot of good signings. I think even without Harry Maguire, they're a side to be reckoned with. Um, and I, I could see them reinvesting that money in a new centre-back as well. Um, in eighth, I have Wolves. I think those two are going to be very close. Um, what with Wolves being in Europe, I think they're going to want to go far in Europe. Um, and they're not going to be able to pick up, put up as many points as they did last year. Um, ninth, I have Everton. They're making some good moves this, this window and, um, good enough to break into the top, uh, the top six. I don't think so, but, um, good nonetheless. Tenth, I have Crystal Palace. Like we already discussed, they're a good side, but mid-table at best. Um, 11th, I have West Ham. That might be a little bit low for them. Uh, it depends if Holler can put up the numbers that he was putting up in Germany. Uh, if he is, I could see them being higher. I think they could uh, they could give Leicester and Wolves a run for their money, but uh, I have them in 11th for right now. Uh, next up, I have Bournemouth, also a very good side. Um, I really like Eddie Howe as a manager. Um, I think they're a very strong side, and all these teams, are, I think, are very good. Um, and this is where we start getting into kind of the more uh, not-as-good teams, I think. So 13th, I have Watford. Um, they're good, but they have not been as good since they lost for Charleston. Um, 14th, I have Norwich. I think Norwich is going to uh, do very well this season. I think they're going to kind of be at the top of the relegation heap. Um, but I imagine Norwich downwards is all going to be very, very close in terms of points. Um, so I have Norwich in 14th. I have Brighton in 15th. I have Southampton in 16th. And I have Aston Villa in 17th. I think, like I said, I think you can swap any one of those with any one of them. I think they're going to be close. Um, 
I think as we already discussed, I think Southampton is probably on the lower end of that spectrum unless they uh, they do something quick. I could see them s- slipping um, into the relegation spots. 17th, I have Aston Villa. I think they're going to uh, I think they're going to stay up. I think they're going to be able to to scrape by. And obviously, as I already said, I have Burnley, Sheffield, United, and Newcastle in the last three spots. Uh, Mark, you want to talk about your table? Uh, yes. So, just like everybody else, I have Liverpool first, City second, Spurs third. Uh, I also have Arsenal fourth. I mean, I think Arsenal's just been making really good moves. Big Raul coming in, <laughs> helping us with the transfers, you know. Um, you know, Emery's going to shift his tactics a little bit this year with a better squad. He he likes to play a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, but he was forced into playing five at the back a lot of times last year, which wasn't great for uh, Bellerin. And Kalashinac really thrived in that, but four at the back, we're going to have trouble in the left-back spot. Kalashinac is just going to beat the crap out of like <laughs> every other team that comes by. <laughs> I mean, he already did that. Uh, but um, and then I think Nicholas Pepe and... Is going to have a great season. I think Sabias is going to have a good enough season to where people will still rate him, but you know he won't be he won't be perfect for us in my opinion. And then I have Chelsea in fifth. I just think they're better overall than United, just in, about in almost any way, except for I think United will be good defensively. I think they're not going to leak a lot of goals this year. I think David de Gea will have a better year this year. So I'm putting United at six. I think United does have the better manager, though. I think I think one thing that we haven't addressed yet with Chelsea. I know we've spent a lot of time on Chelsea, but I think there's a lot of speculation there on what they're going to do. But I think Frank Lampard is a very unexperienced manager. Um, Solskjaer is inexperienced, but I think he has a little bit more time under his belt. Um, not by much, but I think enough to potentially see them above Chelsea. I think he did a fantastic job at Derby last season. I think if he would have done a fantastic job, they would be in the Premier League. They were almost in the Premier League. Yeah, promo- they've, they've, they've got they, to the promotion yeah. How much year. of that was because Frank Lampard celebrated too hard after beating Leeds and was unable to see off Aston Villa because he they already thought they were through? I mean, <laughs> and I mean that's the kind of slip ups that I think we're gonna see from Frank Lampard, and making those slip ups uh, is going to impact the the kids that he has with him at uh, at Chelsea. There, I think Lampard definitely knows how to handle that type of thing. I think he might have made one or two mistakes at Derby, leading to them not being promoted. But I think overall, in his playing career at least, I think he was able to handle winning and handle winning in competitions and continue to go on. So on, an, on another note, I have Leicester in seventh. I Leicester squad is just way too good to not finish in seventh. I mean, you know, the mid, I mean, the midfield is going to be like their best part. Of course, they've still got a pretty strong attack. I, I don't see them finishing anywhere, but seventh eighth, I have Everton. Um, Everton will to me always just be upper mid table side. I don't think, they will be getting out of this rut anytime soon. I mean, Marco Silva did all right his first year. Uh, Richarlison did really well. Sigurdsson was all right. I think I think uh, Everton's going to be all right this year, but not much better than last year. Um, ninth, I have West Ham, which is kind of my surprise pick. 
But uh, West Ham is just, I don't know, again, the squad is way too good to me. And of course, uh, oh, was it Pellegrini as their manager now? Yes. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's been a year since he was appointed, but I still think he's going to be really good. Um, I have Wolves at 10th, only because, yes, they have made some reinforcements, but their squad depth is well, almost non-existent. So, you know, I think I think they're going to be all right. And I think they're going to do really well in the Europa League, but that's going to, like, suffer. The Premier League performances are going to suffer because of that. Um, I they do, have good striker definitely. I, I, I do like their strike, their strike uh, partner, three partnership. It looks, it looks really good. But, um... Love triangle. Yeah. <laughs> love, love triangle strikers. Yeah. So, um, Bournemouth, I have it 11th. Bournemouth are way too good this year. I mean, I went, okay, not way too good, but definitely... I don't know. I see them doing better than last year. They finished 14th after a promising start to the season. They were and up a, in the and a really bad end. Yeah, they a were. They really were bad. End. Yeah, they were top six. A Fiorentina esque end of the season. <laughs> I wasn't that bad, but um, yeah. I mean, Brooks, Wilson, uh, and Fraser, and of course King are gonna be all really instrumental next year. Ake is gonna be all right. I I think and of course Eddie Howe did bring them up from I think. I mean, they were, they were almost, like, liquidated completely back when Eddie Howe took over, and he brought them up to the Premier League. I have all my faith in Eddie Howe, so, yeah. Twelfth, um, I have Aston Villa. I mean, I remember the good old days when Aston Villa would finish everywhere in the league except for the top four, but, of course, they got relegated, so that didn't happen after that. But um, I think Aston Villa is definitely a wild card pick this year. They could finish just about anywhere, maybe not in the— top i wouldn't say they're they could really be in the top eight but maybe after that they'd be pretty good but yeah and then at 13th i have watford they just kind of seem like the same old team as last year i don't see many changes many improvements but they haven't lost much so i i think they're gonna do all right at 14th i have palace um they will be winning a lot of penalties which is how they got a lot of their goals last year with zaha making good runs into the box and then milivojevic of course scoring all those penalties FPL legend, but um, <laughs> other than that, Palace doesn't look much better. They lost Aaron Juan Bissaka, which is, of course, going to be a big loss to them, but I don't see them going down at all. 15th, I have Southampton. I mean, I honestly don't know much about their squad. I haven't really I haven't really been watching Southampton games since, like, I don't know, 2015, 2016, so <laughs> they, they look all right, I guess. Uh, Norwich, I have at 16th. I don't think they really can go down. They're really well managed. I mean, they're not going to do well. I think this year is going to be a building year for them, and then they're going to they're going to end up mid table. I think in the next couple of years. In seventeenth, I have Brighton. They don't have much of an attack. I think Glenn Murray is definitely going to diminish this year. You know, he he scored a bunch of goals last year, but I don't see it happening again this year. And of course, especially if they don't lose Dunk, they have that really great defense, which. I could definitely see them finishing seventeenth. They said he wouldn't score that many goals last year, though. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I'd be I'd be fine with him surprising me. I don't I don't hate Glenn Murray, but <laughs> um, so of course in the relegation spots, I have Burnley, Sheffield, and Newcastle, as I mentioned before. Burnley just I don't know doesn't look too great this year. Uh, just the same old Burnley, which I think a lot of teams have found out Burnley, so they're not going to be as good defensively to me. Sheffield is. I mean, definitely, not, they don't look like a Premier League team from what I've seen. They just, I don't know, they, they're definitely more of a championship-looking kind of team, so they won't do well. And, of course, Newcastle. Epic. All right. 
well i think that's our uh, that's our pre-show um so thank you all for listening if you've gotten to this point all right um, now time for the real show Let's go. <laughs>